Section thirty two of the Treasure Chest of My Book House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Treasure Chest of My Book House, edited by Olive Dupre Miller. The Clocks of Rondane by Frank R. Stockton centuries ago there stood on the banks of a river a little town called rondane the river was a long and winding stream which ran through different countries and was sometimes narrow and swift and sometimes broad and placid sometimes hurrying through mountain passes and again meandering quietly through fertile plains in some places of a blue colour and almost transparent and in others of a dark and sombre hue and so it changed until it threw itself into a warm far-spreading sea but it was quite otherwise with the little town as far back as anybody could remember it had always been the same that it was at the time of our story and the people who lived there could see no reason to suppose that it would ever be different from what it was then it was a pleasant little town its citizens were very happy and why there should be any change in it the most astute old man in all rondane could not have told you if rondane had been famed for anything at all it would have been for the number of its clocks it had many churches some little ones in dark side streets and some larger ones in wider avenues and in the steeple of each of these churches there was a clock there were town buildings very old ones which stood upon the great central square each of these had a tower and in each tower was a clock then there were clocks at street corners and two clocks in the market-place and clocks over shop doors a clock at each end of the bridge and several large clocks a little way out of town many of these clocks were fashioned in some quaint and curious way in one of the largest a stone man came out and struck the hours with a stone hammer while a stone woman struck the half-hours with a stone broom and in another an iron donkey kicked the hours on a bell behind him it would be impossible to tell all the odd ways in which the clocks of rondane struck but in one respect they were alike they all did strike the good people of the town would not have tolerated a clock which did not strike it was very interesting to lie awake in the night and hear the clocks of rondane strike first would come a faint striking from one of the churches in the by-streets a modest sound as if the clock was not sure whether it was too early or not then from another quarter would be heard a more confident clock striking the hour clearly and distinctly when they were quite ready but not a moment before the seven bells of the large church on the square would chime the hour after which at a respectful interval of time the other church clocks of the town would strike after the lapse of three or four minutes the sound of all these bells seemed to wake up the stone man in the tower of the town building and he struck the hour with his hammer when this had been done the other town clocks felt at liberty to strike and they did so and when every sound had died away so that he would be certain to be heard if there was any one awake to hear it would be very likely that the iron donkey would kick out the hour on his bell but there were times when he kicked before any of the clocks began to strike one by one the clocks on the street corners struck the uptown ones first and afterward those near the river 
these were followed by the two clocks on the bridge the one at the country end waiting until it was quite sure that the one at the town end had finished somewhat later would be heard the clock of vougro an old country house in the suburbs the very last clock to strike in rondaine was one belonging to a little old lady with white hair who lived in a little white house in one of the prettiest and cleanest streets in the town her clock was in a little white tower at the corner of her house and was the only strictly private clock which was in the habit of making itself publicly heard long after every other clock had struck and when there was every reason to believe that for some time nothing but half-hours would be heard in rondaine the old lady's clock would strike quickly and with a tone that said i know i am right and i wish other people to know it in a small house which stood at a corner of two streets in the town there lived a young girl named arla for a year or more this young girl had been in the habit of waking up very early in the morning sometimes long before daylight and it had become a habit with her to lie and listen to the clocks her room was at the top of the house and one of its windows opened to the west and another to the south so that sounds entered from different quarters arla liked to leave these windows open so that the sounds of the clocks might come in arla knew every clock by its tone and she always made it a point to lie awake until she was positively sure that the last stroke of the clock at Fukuro had sounded but it often happened that sleep overcame her before she heard the clock of the little old lady with white hair it was so very long to wait for that it was not because she wanted to know the hour that arla used to lie and listen to the clocks she could tell this from her own little clock in her room this little clock which had been given to her when she was a small girl not only struck the hours and half-hours and quarter-hours but there was attached to it a very pretty contrivance which also told the time on the front of the clock just below the dial was a sprig of a rose-bush beautifully made of metal and on this just after the hour had sounded there was a large green bud at a quarter past the hour this bud opened a little so that the red petals could be seen fifteen minutes later it was a half-blown rose and at a quarter of an hour more it was nearly full-blown just before the hour the rose opened to its fullest extent and so remained until the clock had finished striking when it immediately shut up into a great green bud this clock was a great delight to arla for not only was it a very pleasant thing to watch the unfolding of the rose but it was a continual satisfaction to her to think that her little clock always told her exactly what time it was no matter what the other clocks of rondaine might say arla's father and mother were thrifty industrious people who were very fond of their daughter and wished her to grow up a thoughtful useful woman in the very early morning listening to the clocks of rondaine or waiting for them arla did a great deal of thinking and it so happened on the morning of the day before christmas when the stars were bright and the air frosty and every outside sound very clear and distinct that arla began to think of something which had never entered her mind before how in the world she said to herself do the people of rondaine know when it is really christmas christmas begins as soon as it is twelve o'clock on christmas eve but as some of the people depend for the time upon one clock and some upon others 
a great many of them cannot truly know when christmas day has really begun even some of the church clocks make people think that christmas has come when in reality it is yet the day before and not one of them strikes at the right time as for the iron donkey i believe he kicks whenever he feels like it and yet there are people who go by him i know this for they have told me so but the little old lady with white hair is worse off than anybody else christmas must always come ever so long before she knows it with these thoughts on her mind arla could not go to sleep again she heard all the clocks strike and lay awake until her own little clock told her that she ought to get up during this time she had made up her mind what she should do there was yet one day before christmas and if the people of the town could be made to see in what a deplorable condition they were on account of the difference in their clocks they might have time to set the matter right so that all the clocks should strike the correct hour and everybody should know exactly when christmas day began she was sure that the citizens had never given this matter proper thought and it was quite natural that such should be the case for it was not every one who was in the habit of lying awake in the very early morning and in the daytime with all the outdoor noises one could not hear all the clocks strike in rondaine arla therefore thought that a great deal depended upon her who knew exactly how this matter stood when she went down to breakfast she asked permission of her mother to take a day's holiday as she was a good girl and never neglected either her lessons or her tasks her mother was quite willing to give her the day before christmas in which she could do as she pleased the day was cool but the sun shone brightly and the air was pleasant in the country around about rondaine christmas time was not a very cold season arla put on a warm jacket and a pretty blue hood and started out gaily to attend to the business at hand everybody in rondaine knew her father and mother and a great many of them knew her so there was no reason why she should be afraid to go where she chose in one hand she carried a small covered basket in which she had placed her rose clock the works of this little clock were regulated by a balance wheel like those of a watch and therefore it could be carried about without stopping it the first place she visited was the church at which she and her parents always attended service it was a small building in a little square at the bottom of a hill and to reach it one had to go down a long flight of stone steps when she entered the dimly lighted church arla soon saw the sacristan a pleasant-faced little old man whom she knew very well good morning sir said she do you take care of the church clock the sacristan was sweeping the stone pavements of the church just inside the door he stopped and leaned upon his broom yes my little friend he said i take care of everything here except the souls of the people well then said arla i think you ought to know that your clock is eleven minutes too fast i came here to tell you that so that you might change it and make it strike properly the sacristan's eyes began to twinkle he was a man of merry mood that is very good of you little arla very good indeed and now that we are about it isn't there something else you would like to change what do you say to having these stone pillars put to one side so that they may be out of the way of the people when they come in or those great beams in the roof they might be turned over and perhaps we might find that the upper side would look fresher than this lower part which is somewhat time-stained as you see 
or for the matter of that what do you say to having our clock-tower taken down and set out there in the square before the church door then short-sighted people could see the time much better don't you think now tell me shall we do all these things together wise little friend a tear or two came into arla's eyes but she made no answer good morning sir she said and went away i suppose she said to herself as she ran up the stone steps that he thought it would be too much trouble to climb to the top of the tower to set the clock right but that was no reason why he should make fun of me i don't like him as much as i used to the next church to which arlo went was a large one and it was some time before she could find a sacristan at last she saw him in a side chapel at the upper end of the church engaged in dusting some old books he was a large man with a red face and he turned around quickly with a stern expression as she entered please sir said arla i came to tell you that your church clock is wrong it strikes from four to six minutes before it ought to it should be changed so that it will be sure to strike at the right time the face of the sacristan grew redder and twitched visibly at her remark do you know what i wish he almost shouted in reply no sir answered arla i wish he said that you were a boy so that i might take you by the collar and soundly cuff your ears for coming here to insult an officer of the church in the midst of his duties but as you are a girl i can only tell you to go away from here as rapidly and as quietly as you can or i shall have to put you in the hands of the church authorities arla was truly frightened and although she did not run for she knew that would not be proper in a church she walked as fast as she could into the outer air what a bad man she then said to herself to be employed in a church it surely is not known what sort of a person he is or he would not be allowed to stay there a day arla thought she would not go to any more churches at present for she did not know what sort of sacristans she might find in them when the other clocks in the town all strike properly she thought it is most likely they will see for themselves that their clocks are wrong and they will have them changed she now made her way to the great square of the town and entered the building at the top of which stood the stone man with his hammer she found the doorkeeper in a little room by the side of the entrance she knew where to go for she had been there with her mother to ask permission to go up and see the stone man strike the hour with his hammer and the stone woman strike the half-hour with her broom the doorkeeper was a grave middle-aged man with spectacles and remembering what had just happened arla thought she would be careful how she spoke to him if you please sir she said with a courtesy i should like to say something to you and i hope you will not be offended when i tell you that your clock is not quite right your stone man and your stone woman are both too slow they sometimes strike as much as seven minutes after they ought to strike the man looked steadily at her through his spectacles i thought continued arla that if this should be known to you you would have the works of the stone man and the stone woman altered so that they might strike at the right time they can be heard so far you know that it is very necessary they should not make mistakes child said the man with his spectacles still steadily fixed on her for one hundred and fifty-seven years the thunder and the lightning in time of storm 
have roared and flashed around that clock and the sun in time of fair weather has shone upon it in that century and a half and seven years men and women have lived and have died and their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren kings and queens have passed and one generation after another many times and yet through all these years that stone man and that stone woman have stood there and in storm and in fair weather by daylight or in the darkness of night they have struck the hours and the half-hours of all things that one hundred and fifty-seven years ago were able to lift an arm to strike they alone are left and now you a child of thirteen or perhaps fourteen years come to me and ask me to change that which has not been changed for a century and a half and seven years arla could answer nothing with those spectacles fixed upon her they seemed to glare more and more as she looked at them good morning sir she said dropping a courtesy as she moved backward toward the door reaching it she turned and hurried into the street if those stone people she thought have not been altered in all these years it is likely they would now be striking two or three hours out of the way but i don't know if they kept on going slow for more than a century they must have come around to the right hour sometimes but they will have to strike ever and ever so much longer before they come around there again arla now walked on until she came to a street corner where a cobbler had a little shop in the angle of the wall of the house at the height of the second story was a clock this cobbler did not like the confined air and poor light of his shop and whenever the weather allowed he always worked outside on the sidewalk to-day although it was winter the sun shone brightly on this side of the street and he had put his bench outside close to his door and was sitting there hard at work when arla stopped before him he looked up and said cheerfully good morning mistress arla do you want them half soled or heeled or a patch put on the toes my shoes do not need mending said arla i came to ask if you could tell me who has charge of the clock at this corner i can easily do that he said for i am the man i am paid by the year for winding it up and keeping it in order the pay is not great but if it were larger more people might want it and i might lose it and if it were less how could i afford to do it at all so i am satisfied but you ought not to be entirely satisfied said arla for the clock does not keep good time i know when it is striking for it has a very jangling sound and it is the most irregular clock in rondaine sometimes it strikes as much as twenty-five minutes after the hour and very often it does not strike at all the cobbler looked up at her with a smile i am sorry he said that it has a jangling stroke but the fashioning of clocks is not my trade and i could not mend its sound with all hammer or waxed end but it seems to me my good maiden that you never mended a pair of shoes no indeed said arla i should do that even worse than you would make clocks never having mended shoes then said the cobbler you do not know what a grievous thing it is to have twelve o'clock or six o'clock or any other hour in fact come before you are ready for it now i don't mind telling you because i know you are too good to spoil the trade of a hard-working cobbler and shoemaker too 
whenever he gets the chance to be one that when i have promised a customer that he shall have his shoes or his boots at a certain time of day and that time is drawing near and the end of the job is still somewhat distant then do i skip up the stairway and set back the hands of the clock according to the work that has to be done and when my customer comes i look up to the clock face and i say to him glad to see you and then he will look up at the clock and will say yes i am a little too soon and then as likely as not he will sit down on the doorstep here by me and talk entertainingly and it may happen that he will sit there without grumbling for many minutes after the clock has pointed out the hour at which the shoes were promised sometimes when i have been much belated in beginning a job i stop the clock altogether for you can well see for yourself that it would not do to have it strike eleven when it is truly twelve and so if my man be willing to sit down and our talk be very entertaining the clock being above him where he cannot see it without stepping outward from the house he may not notice that it is stopped this once served me very well for an old gentleman over testy and over punctual once came to me for his shoes and looking up at the clock which i had prepared for him exclaimed bless me i am much too early and he sat down by me for three quarters of an hour in which time i persuaded him that his shoes were far too much worn to be worth mending any more and that he should have a new pair which afterward i made i do not believe it is right for you to do that said arla but even if you think so there is no reason why your clock should go wrong at night when so many people can hear it because of the stillness ah no said the cobbler i do not object to the clock being as right as you please in the night but when my day's work is done i am in such a hurry to go home to my supper that i often forget to put the clock right or to set it going if it is stopped but so many things stop at night such as the day itself and so many things then go wrong such as the ways of evil-minded people that i think you truly ought to pardon my poor clock then you will not consent said arla to make it go right i will do that with all cheerfulness answered the cobbler pulling out a pair of waxed ends with a great jerk as soon as i can make myself go right the most important thing should always be done first and surely i am more important than a clock and he smiled with great good humour arla knew that it would be of no use to stand there any longer and talk with this cobbler turning to go she said when i bring you shoes to mend you shall finish them by my clock and not by yours that will i my good little arla said the cobbler heartily they shall be finished by any clock in town and five minutes before the hour or no payment arla now walked on until she came to the bridge over the river it was a long covered bridge and by the entrance sat the bridge-keeper do you know sir said she that the clock at this end of your bridge does not keep the same time as the one at the other end they are not so very different but i have noticed this one is always done striking at least two minutes before the other begins the bridge-keeper looked at her with one eye which was all he had you are as wrong as anybody can be said he i do not say anything about the striking because my ears are not now good enough to hear the clock at the other end when i am near this one but i know they both keep the same time i have often looked at this clock and have then walked to the other end of the bridge and have found that the clock there was exactly like it 
arla looked at the poor old man whose legs were warmly swaddled on account of rheumatism and said but it must take you a good while to walk to the other end of the bridge out upon you cried the bridge-keeper i am not so old as that yet i can walk there in no time arla now crossed the bridge and went a short distance along a country road until she came to the great stone house known as Vugro. this belonged to a rich family who seldom came there and the place was in charge of an elderly man who was the brother of arla's mother when his niece was shown into a room on the ground floor which served for his parlour and his office he was very glad to see her and while arla was having something to eat and drink after her walk the two had a pleasant chat i came this time uncle anton she said not only to see you but to tell you that the great clock in your tower does not keep good time uncle anton looked at her a little surprised how do you know that my dear he said then arla told him how she had lain awake in the early morning and had heard the striking of the different clocks if you wish to make it right said she i can give you the proper time for i have brought my own little clock with me she was about to take her rose clock out of her basket when her uncle motioned her not to do so let me tell you something said he the altering of the time of day which you speak of so lightly is a very serious matter which should be considered with all gravity if you set back a clock even as little as ten minutes you add that much to the time that has passed the hour which has just gone by has been made seventy minutes long now no human being has the right to add anything to the past nor to make hours longer than they were originally made and on the other hand if you set a clock forward even so little as ten minutes you take away that much from the future and you make the coming hour only fifty minutes long now no human being has a right to take anything away from the future or to make the hours shorter than they were intended to be i desire my dear niece that you will earnestly think over what i have said and i am sure that you will then see for yourself how unwise it would be to trifle with the length of the hours which make up our day and now arla let us talk of other things and so they talked of other things until arla thought it was time to go she saw there was something wrong in her uncle's reasoning although she could not tell exactly what it was and thinking about it she slowly returned to the town as she approached the house of the little old lady with white hair she concluded to stop and speak to her about her clock she will surely be willing to alter that said arla for it is so very much out of the way the old lady knew who arla was and received her very kindly but when she heard why the young girl had come to her she flew into a passion never since i was born she said have i been spoken to like this my great-grandfather lived in this house before me that clock was good enough for him my grandfather lived in this house before me that clock was good enough for him my father and mother lived in this home before me that clock was good enough for them i was born in this house have always lived in it and expect to die in it that clock is good enough for me and sooner than raise my hand against the clock of my ancestors and the clock of my whole life i would cut off that hand some tears came into arla's eyes and she was a little frightened 
i hope you will pardon me good madame she said for truly i did not wish to offend you nor did i think that your clock is not a good one i only meant that you should make it better it is nearly an hour out of the way the sight of arla's tears cooled the anger of the little old lady with white hair child she said you do not know what you are talking about and i forgive you but remember this never ask persons as old as i am to alter the principles which have always made clear to them what they should do or the clocks which have always told them when they should do it the poor girl now felt a good deal discouraged the people don't seem to care whether their clocks are right or not she said to herself and if they don't care i am sure it is of no use for me to tell them about it if even one clock could be made to go properly it might help to make the people of rondaine care to know exactly what time it is now there is that iron donkey if he would but kick at the right hour it would be an excellent thing for he kicks so hard that he is heard all over town determined to make this one more effort arla walked quickly to the town building at the top of which was the clock with the iron donkey this building was a sort of museum it had a great many curious things in it and it was in charge of a very ingenious man who was learned and skilful in various ways when arla had informed the superintendent of the museum why she had come to him he did not laugh at her nor did he get angry he was accustomed to giving earnest consideration to matters of this sort and he listened attentively to all that arla had to say you must know he said that our iron donkey is a very complicated piece of mechanism not only must he kick out the hours but five minutes before doing so he must turn his head around and look at the bell behind him and then when he has done kicking he must put his head back into its former position all this action requires a great many wheels and cogs and springs and levers and these cannot be made to move with absolute regularity when it is cold some of the works contract and when it is warm they expand and there are other reasons why he is very likely to lose or gain time at noon on every bright day i set him right being able to get the correct time from a sundial which stands in the courtyard but his works which i am sorry to say are not well made are sure to get a great deal out of the way before i set him again then if there are several cloudy or rainy days together he goes very wrong indeed said arla yes he truly does replied the superintendent and i am sorry for it but there is no way to help it except to make him all over again at my own expense and that is something i cannot afford to do the clock belongs to the town and i am sure the citizens will not be willing to spend the money necessary for a new donkey clock for so far as i know every person but yourself is perfectly satisfied with this one i suppose so said arla with a sigh but it really is a great pity that every striking clock in rondaine should be wrong but how do you know they are all wrong asked the superintendent oh that is easy enough said arla when i lie awake in the early morning when all else is very still i listen to their striking and then i look at my own rose clock to see what time it really is your rose clock said the superintendent this is it said arla opening her basket and taking out the little clock 
the superintendent took it into his hands and looked at it attentively both outside and inside and then still holding it he stepped out into the courtyard when in a few moments he returned he said i have compared your clock with my sundial and find that it is ten minutes slow i also see that like the donkey its works are not adjusted in such a way as to be unaffected by heat and cold my clock ten minutes slow exclaimed arla with wide open eyes yes said the superintendent that is the case to-day and on some days it is probably a great deal too fast such a clock as this which is a very ingenious and beautiful one ought frequently to be compared with a sundial or other correct timekeeper and set to the proper hour i see it requires a peculiar key with which to set it have you brought this with you no sir said arla i did not suppose it would be needed well then said the superintendent you can set it forward ten minutes when you reach home and if to-morrow morning you compare the other clocks with it i think you will find that not all of them are wrong arla sat quiet for a moment and then she said i think i shall not care any more to compare the clocks of rondaine with my little rose clock if the people are satisfied with their own clocks whether they are fast or slow and do not care to know exactly when christmas day begins i can do nobody any good by listening to the different strikings and then looking at my own little clock with a night-lamp by it especially said the superintendent with a smile when you are not sure that your rose clock is right but if you bring here your little clock and your key on any day when the sun is shining i will set it to the time shadowed on the sundial and show you how to do it yourself thank you very much said arla and she took her leave as she walked home she lifted the lid of her basket and looked at her little rose clock to think of it she said that you should be sometimes too fast and sometimes too slow and worse than that to think that some of the other clocks have been right and you have been wrong but i do not feel like altering you to-day if you go fast sometimes and slow sometimes you must be right sometimes and one of these days when i take you to be compared with the sundial perhaps you will not have to be altered so much arla went to bed that night quite tired with her long walks and when she woke it was broad daylight i do not know she said to herself exactly when christmas began but i am very sure that the happy day is here do you lie awake in the morning as much as you used to asked arla's mother a few weeks after the christmas holidays no mother dear said arla i now sleep with one of my windows shut and i am no longer awakened by that chilly feeling which used to come to me in the early morning when i could draw the bed-covers close about me and think how wrong were the clocks of rondaine and the little rose clock never went to be compared with the sundial perhaps you are right now arla would say to her clock each day when the sun shone and i will not take you until some time when i feel very sure that you are wrong End of section thirty two recording by Maricel Cree